Hey, welcome everybody. Today it is the Writer's Hour and this is Creative Conversations with Janine Bolin and today my guest is Brenda Hardwick and she just so happens to be somebody who has been writing since the age of seven and she is self-published, she does self-help, she does spiritual transformation, she's an angel worker, she's a healer, she does so many different things. And typical of women of her wisdom, multi-dimensional, multifaceted, if you try to put them in a box, they're just, it doesn't work. So I'm just very grateful to have her with us. She also writes Harlem Angel, Laughing Yourself Healthy, and then The Conductor. So she's had awards and all that. And I encourage you go to her website. Otherwise, you know, we'll be here all day. And I, I really want to get to the questions of the book that I, she shipped to, this book to me, by the way, I got it free. And I was so ecstatic to get it and then be able to read it and take notes in it and scribble on it so I could do this interview today. It's Allowing the Magic, Allowing the Miracles, a Blueprint for Ascension. Yes, I have lots of notes in it. So we're just going to dig right into the material. And basically that is, I wanted to talk to you about what got you rolling on this whole being a messenger of angels, being able to talk to your angels. You talk about in the book, that very first experience when you're sitting in church and then you realized a message had come to you. Do you mind sharing a little bit more with the listeners about that? So I've actually been able to see angels and I knew they were there when I was a child. But as an adult, things, you know, life got in the way. And I was, uh, the day I was in church and I heard the sermon and I just I thought, you know, I have to write this down. I need to write this down because it was so profound and it hit me right here, right in my heart. And I was, uh, you know, one minute I was laughing and cheering and the next minute I was crying and sobbing. And so it was, you know, a roller coaster of emotions. And then when I got home and I read what I wrote, it had absolutely nothing to do with the sermon. And I was like, um, okay. Um, so you guys are, you, you're, you're telling me something. All right. Um, I have been on a journey for the last several years to listen to them because from childhood, I spent a lot of time saying, yeah, whatever you guys, <laughs> because it was something I heard all the time. And sometimes I would listen and sometimes I wouldn't. This was just profound enough when, when I read it and it was pointed out to me, you know, that's for you. When I went back and read it again, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, it is. Um, and that made me stop. And you know, when, when things like that happen, you have to go look in the mirror and you have to pay attention to what you're seeing and you know, I look myself in the eyes and then I just, I repeated some of what I heard and some of what I'd written. And um, then I just kind of sat there because I was in shock. And I said, well, you know, this has to be shared. It's not something I can just hold for me because this needs to go out to everyone. And that's... Yeah, excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, but that's kind of what happens, isn't it? When, yes. when you get that intuitive download, your first thought is, I can't share this. People think I'm crazy, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> or am I the only one that has that? <laughs> no, you're not the only one that has that. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen to this. They already think I'm kind of nuts anyway, you know. Uh, yeah. This so. just brings proof 
this yeah. just brings proof. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And so I run into that with authors all the time. It doesn't matter whether they're nonfiction, fiction, whether they're world building. There's always that worry that people are really going to find out just how crazy I am as a, as a writer. Yeah. And so I just, I, we all suffer that. And then you bring in mystical type topics and that, <laughs> It almost is like, that's just a level up, you know, yeah. on that. So thank you for sharing it. Because when I read about that experience, which I encourage you to read the book, because it, she goes into a lot more detail about it, I could actually, it, I was experiencing it with you. And that was like, I've had my own experiences where you use the term, and then I was stopped cold. And I think that is a beautiful way of saying it, because you do, like you said, you were in shock, you know, you're just like, bonk, it's like, bam you're now going to have to listen to this. And then, then there's the whole decision tree that you have to go through when you start sharing that. So one of the, the, there's two things I wanted to talk about, and that is the two questions that you know the angels are trying to share with people, which is why am I here and what is my purpose? Those are, seem to be the recurring themes. And so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about how folks seem to need a path. And you're like, I know you need a path, so let me lay it out for you. And then you make these great assumptions. Number one, humans have a problem asking for help. Would you mind sharing just a little bit more on that? Yes. Um, most of us, somewhere along the line in our child rearing, and it doesn't matter who raised you, whether it's mom, grandma, auntie, sister, it doesn't matter. Somebody said, you can do it. You don't need no help. But yes, we do. And because we're told we don't need any help, we rationalize that because that's what humans do. And we internalize that. And we come to the conclusion that we're not supposed to ask for any help that it's not available. And if you can't do it on your own, regardless of how much struggle it is, then you are not worthy somehow. And I know that from you can do it, you don't need no help. That's an extrapolation that is way out in left field. Because nobody said that. They just said you didn't need any help with whatever was happening at that point. It was one thing, and because of our humanness and how we take things and we take one piece of information and spread it to everything we know and everything we do, and that has never ever been the intent of what we're supposed to do. Sometimes you need help and it's okay to ask. And, and yet, we as humans have trouble. One of my favorite experiences, and you and I have talked uh, before about how the angels just sit there filing their fingernails because that free will, free will thing, I, that's how I've always seen it. I was raised Catholic. I'm a recovering Catholic is what I like to tell people. And so, yeah, the angels had an our, our hierarchy and, and you don't bother Jesus, as Kathleen Madigan says in her stand-up comedy. But they sit there and they file their fingernails until somebody asks for help. And once I had somebody share that with me, it totally opened the floodgates for my asking. So I hope that your book does the same for others. Okay, so that's assumption one. Assumption two, we tend to live in fear more live than live in love. Expound a bit on that if you don't mind. Well, living in fear becomes a way of life. As a child, you're afraid to do wrong because, you know, in my time, you could get spanked 
or punishment was being sent to your room. And at those times, you know, when we grew up, there was nothing in our room but the bed. You know, there was no TV and there was no video games. You, so going to your room was not a good thing. Um, there was nobody in there to talk to. You didn't have a cell phone. Um, so fear was taught as a way of life. You were afraid. Um, I will say, being um, Black, um, we were taught to fear authority. We were taught to do things, say things, walk, you know, in, in dealing with an adult, you don't make eye contact, you know, um, that children should be seen and not heard. That was something said in my household that I grew up in. Um, and my parents divorced when I was 10. It was said in both households. Okay. Um, so fear was a taught thing. It was part of how we lived. Even when you made a mistake that was just a mistake, you knew that you were afraid of what the outcome was going to be. As a child, most people didn't listen to you. Not only were you seen and not heard, what you said meant nothing. So it meant that fear was interwoven and a part of who we were. And I don't really think it has to, has, makes a difference how you were brought up, who, you know, what race, what your religion was. Fear was part of what we learned as children. So as adults, we have carried that forward. Um, being a parent, I've tried really hard not to use fear to discipline, to, um, get the behavior that I'm looking for out of the kids, out of my grandchildren. But you know, that's really hard because that teaching is ingrained in us. So as something begins to come out of my mouth, sometimes I have to stop, go back and say, okay, how do I fix this and make it sound more positive? Because I want it to be positive. Most of our fears, we have made them up. They're not real. I tell people all the time, take a fear, and you have to do them one at a time. If you try and do all of them, you got a bag this big instead of just one thing in your hand. And you look at it and you make it grow to the worst case scenario. And then you ask yourself, will I die from that? 98% of the time, the answer is no, because it's not real. You made that up. It's all possibilities, maybes, and a perfect negative thing has to occur for that to be what it's going to be that would be bad. And if that's the case, if the answer is no, you can crush that like dust and make it go away. For the other one to 2% that the answer might be yes, well, that's when you ask for help. Yep. I agree. That's kind of the point where we talk about danger is real. You know, yes. there are dangers, but the fear that we have is inordinate, yes. inordinately large to what's actually happening uh, with us in that moment. So there are two things that you're asked every time by your clients because you help folks with so many things with the angel messages. And that is, do I have angels and do I have help? And sometimes you can kind of get burnt out on that question because people are asking so much. So go ahead and kind of share with the listeners about, do I have angels and do I have help? So 
Yes, this is the question that is always asked because um, even if you read um, whatever the religious tome is, whether it's the Christian Bible or the Quran or you know whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, angels are in there, but they're not talked about much. We all have angels. There are nine boxes in the org chart that people put them in, which, you know, I don't like that because it, I think it's limiting, but we're human and that's what we do. Um, there are two sets of angels that connect with us all the time. Your guardian angels, they're always over your left shoulder. And then the archangels that are present and attend us depending on what we need for the day. The angels wait for us to ask. Let me pose a question to you. Think about it. All of the stories and the movies where you hear about angels and what angels do, they're all examples of life and death situations. Someone in a car accident or falling out of a tree or you ever wonder why that is? It's because that's the moment when we say, oh my God, please help me. <laughs> when something's wrong, when we know in all our being, we can't stop this. That's when we ask. That's why most of the stories are all about being rescued. But like you said, they sit and file their nails and they want you to call them. Everyone has at least one guardian angel, at least one, everyone, everyone. And they are there waiting for you to ask for their help. That's all they do is wait. That's one of my catchphrases. Your angels are waiting because that's what they do. When I look around a room at a gathering, which we haven't had in a while, but. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to that. <laughs> we'll get back to that. When I look around the room, and it doesn't matter whether it's a room full of people that are healers, medical professionals, you pick it. It doesn't matter. Most of the angels are standing back with their hands folded, waiting because no one has thought to ask for their intervention and ask for their help, which they are more than willing to give, which they want to do. The few that are engaged are right up on the shoulder of the person that they are attached to and they are engaged. It's really sad for me when I look around a whole room full of people and nobody's angels are engaged. I just find that sad because it means that even with whatever your belief system and spirituality is, you have forgotten to ask for their intervention. And I remember several people talking to me about some of the groups that you have hosted where you would look around and you saw that and you're like, I, and you would stand up and say, I'm calling in the angels right now. And boom, you know, then they got them activated. I just remember that that was part of your job was the fact that you could see that passivity and knew that energy needed to be engaged. So thank you, you know, for doing that for people. So those were some of the assumptions and these are the day-to-day -day experiences and the, the why am I here question, I really loved how in your book, you give an eight step process, the basically what you call the blueprint for ascension. Mm -hmm. And so do you mind, uh, you gave the, the other thing, 
I'm trained as an analytical biochemist and you gave definitions throughout your book. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. But in, <laughs> because as a scientist, I need to know what your definition is of a word because I know of all the ways English is used. And you said, what is ascension? It's the act of moving to a higher or more powerful position. So when answering the question of why am I here, this was one of the very first things that you encouraged the reader to investigate. So do you mind sharing with us a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, uh, many of the people that come to me um, are lost. They have been doing one thing um, and then they, they are not happy with it. They're not happy with what they're doing. They're not happy with how it makes them feel. And um, they just don't understand what their purpose is in being here. Well, everyone has a purpose in being here. Um, and it's not necessarily something that you have to discover, but being the human beings that we are, we want to know. And younger people want the whole thing laid out so they know each step on, on the journey. But that's not exactly how it works because you have free will, the creator gave you free will, so you can choose whether to do or do not. The gifts that you have, and we all have something, you can choose whether to use them or not to use them. And there's no judgment in any of that. The creator gave us the choice to do or do not because he saw value in that. He saw value in us being able to make the decision for ourselves. Um, what I tried to do in the blueprint was give everybody a starting point. Because if you're seeking and you're looking and this book appeals to you, it's going to give you the steps to take. Um, I see people when they have to make a decision, most of us feel like it's either go left or go right. It's more complicated than that. It's like being in a room that is circular and there's doors. Now, some of those doors already are locked because you've been through them and you've learned what you were supposed to learn by going through that. The other doors are your next step choices. There's not going to be a push. None of them are going to light up and say, this is your next choice. You have to decide what you're ready to do and to attack, um, an attack <laughs> for lack of another word, with your energy and your intent and where you want to be. You have the control over this because you have free will. And you can choose to do nothing and to sit and spend all your days relenting not doing something and being sad about feeling like you have no purpose. We all have a purpose. And sometimes sitting and um, growing your own pity party is part of your purpose because maybe you have to get down to the bottom where nobody's listening to you cry anymore and nobody is paying attention to your cry anymore to realize that's not what you want to do and where you want to be. And that's what makes you look up and see the doors. 
I tell everyone, it doesn't matter whether you step forward and go left or right or forward, there's no wrong step. Because even if it's difficult and it's hard and you forget to ask for help and so you're going upstream against the current, you're still gonna learn something. And what you learn is what you can carry forward to what your next door will be. I think that's one of the hardest things as mystics and authors that we have is when we really know something and then trying to share that with a group of people that have been trained exactly the opposite, such as in your case, we know when we're operating in that frequency of angelic understanding, there truly is no judgment. And that is, is challenging to get across because people use the term unconditional love, but what, that's what it is in practice, is literally the lack of judgment of saying good or bad. It may be appropriate or inappropriate behavior for me, but I can't say what someone else's uh, journey is. And the only time it becomes a problem is if it uh, clashes with something someone else wants to do. And then there's the whole fight for control. So uh, you and I've had a lot of discussions on that. So I was grateful that we were able to bring that uh, back around. So kind of as a, as a wrap up, you talk about in the blueprint for Ascension that the purpose that people have is feel better, increase your quality of life, and live happier. That's your uh, overall premise. Now, she, Brenda has eight steps in here, and I highly encourage that you get the book and go through the eight steps. But that's really the crux of it, is to feel better, increase your quality of life, live happier. Now, we hear that a lot. So let's get down to some nitpicking details here. So for you, what does it mean to uh, what is the difference between happiness and joy? Because we talk about living a happier life, living a happier life, and that's raising the emotion. But then you're aware of something, and, I, and this isn't in your book, and that's why I'm asking you about it, is you know the difference between happiness and joy. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit more on that topic. Okay. So for me and what I see in others, Happiness is being satisfied with what you do, being feeling good about the people around you because they support you regardless of what you are doing and nobody's tearing you down, you know, so you've got people around you that lift you up and being comfortable with when you look in the mirror <laughs> naked okay that you can say you know what Brenda I love you all of you even though some of it I'd like to change a little I still love you when you can be happy with where you are what you have it may not be that you have all the things that you want, all of the toys or all of the stuff, but you aren't missing anything that would keep you from living. You're appreciative that you get to wake up in the morning. That's happy. 
Now, joy, joy is the things that you can either make happen or that happen around you that just bring you up. They make you laugh. They make you feel good for no reason. There's no reason, okay? There's no, it's not because of this or because of that. It's just, it is. Joy is the thing that, um, I mean, it is a thing that um, you can, other people can take it from you because you're not sharing it and you're not spending it, right? When you are happy, joy can come from that. When you are joyful, people feel it. Mm -hmm. Joy can be felt. You know, I've had people say to me all the time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just happy is not a thing. I, I don't know how to be happy. Mm -hmm. And happy comes from inside. It's something inside. And if you don't love who you are, if you don't love you in all your flaws and all the stuff you know ain't right, if you don't love you, how can you share it with anyone else? Joy is being able to share your light, letting the heart felt love for yourself and the world around you go forward no matter what. It doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter who I'm with. It doesn't matter who's in the room, whether it's full of negative people, and I've been there, whether it's full of um, people that are um, wasted, drunk, high, whatever, because that's the only way they know to get there, um, <clears throat> whether it's filled with a room full of sorrow, I bring my joy into the room. And when I see that it touches someone, that makes me happy because I have shared the light of being. And that is what your book is all about. When you start talking about that magic and allowing miracles is when you share and then you're sharing that light and you're able to see that magic come in and those yeah. miracles start transforming our world. So Brenda, thank you so much for your time. I know how busy you are working. Uh, we, we all are working pretty intensely with helping people share their light and shine their light. Um, Brenda Hardwick, Allowing the Magic, Allowing the Miracles, A Blueprint for Ascension. It's not only a fabulous informative tool, it also literally gives you the eight ascension exercises that can walk you through no matter what kind of a pit you have fallen yourself into. And so, Brenda, thank you for your time. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Take care of yourself. And this is Janine Bullen with the Writers Hour. Conversations that are creative and creatives that give us a conversation. We'll chat with you in the next episode.